Friday, April the 2nd, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, the S&P hits a record high and tension builds in Ukraine. First, the world in brief. The S&P 500, one of America's main stock market indices, closed above 4,000 for the first time. Investors may have been emboldened by the details of President Joe Biden's $2 trillion infrastructure bill unveiled on Wednesday, as well as the fall in the total number of jobless benefit claimants and a surge in manufacturing activity. The European Union accused Russia's armed forces of illegally recruiting residents of Crimea, which it annexed from Ukraine in 2014. Earlier this week, America raised its alert status after fighting resumed between Ukrainian soldiers and Russian-backed separatists in the nearby Donetsk region. Ukraine's government accused Russia of amassing troops on their shared border. Russia responded that its military manoeuvres were its own business. Opposition parties in the Netherlands tabled a no-confidence motion in Mark Rutte, the Prime Minister. They accused him of lying about whether he discussed appointing a lawmaker to a government job during coalition talks. Mr Rutter's party was the clear winner of an election on March 17th, but losing a no-confidence vote could cripple his ability to form a new government. There were hopeful signs that America might rejoin the Iran nuclear deal that Donald Trump walked away from in 2018. The European Union said it would convene talks later today with other signatories to the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, including Britain, China, Iran and Russia, to discuss America's readmission. The deal offers Iran sanctions relief in return for its reining in its nuclear program. North and South Korea submitted a joint bid to host the 2032 Olympics, according to South Korean officials. Athletes from both countries competed on the same team in the Pyeongchang Winter Olympics in 2018, leading to an agreement to bid together for the Summer Games. But a rocky couple of years of diplomacy raised questions over whether that would actually happen. China approved a merger between the country's top state-owned chemical giants, ChemChina and SinoChem Group. The tie-up will create the world's largest chemicals conglomerate, with annual revenues of around 1 trillion yuan, $153 billion. A new holding company structure was designed to avoid triggering a formal American national security review. Both companies were added to an American blacklist in 2020 for allegedly having links to China's armed forces. And Ford will again pause production lines as a result of a shortage of semiconductors that is affecting car makers around the world. From Monday, the company will halt assembly lines for a further two weeks at its pickup truck plant in Dearborn, Michigan. F-150 production will also pause its factory in Kansas City for a week. And now, here's today's agenda. Full steam ahead. America's Jobs Report. America's employment report for March is published today, and what a report it could prove to be. Last month's summary recorded a sharp acceleration in the creation of new jobs in the world's largest economy. Economists expect further improvement today. The consensus estimate is for a rise in non-farm payrolls of about 650,000, equivalent to 3% of the total number of people who lost work when the pandemic first hit a year ago. A hitherto successful vaccination campaign has allowed some restrictions to be loosened, while stimulus payments have given people money to spend, creating demand for workers. The evidence from, quote, real-time economic data suggests that future jobs reports could produce better news still. The number of people dining at restaurants has continued to rise, and consumer spending is looking exceptionally strong. America still has a long way to go. There are some 10 million fewer jobs than before the pandemic. But the recovery is underway. 
Water Torture Chinese Diplomacy in Southeast Asia In a riposte to American efforts to reinvigorate alliances in Asia, Wang Yi, China's foreign minister, is on a charm offensive. He has been meeting his counterparts from Indonesia, Malaysia, the Philippines and Singapore one-on-one since Wednesday. There is lots to discuss. Cooperation on COVID-19, efforts to spur economic growth, the political crisis in Myanmar and North Korea's recent missile launch. Southeast Asian countries would rather not choose sides in the Sino-American rivalry. But nor will they shy away from criticising Chinese affronts to their sovereignty. Over 200 Chinese vessels are anchored on a reef in the Philippines' exclusive economic zone that China claims as its own. The infuriated Philippine government has dispatched fighter jets to monitor the area. Indonesia and Malaysia will sympathise. They are also embroiled in territorial disputes with China, which claims a vast swathe of the South China Sea. Mr Wang may struggle to keep all the talks on an even keel. Just Us League Europe's hard right. International alliances are tricky when everyone is ideologically committed to the intrinsic superiority of their own nation. But three big hard right parties, Hungary's Fidesz, Italy's Northern League, and Poland's Law and Justice, PIS, may be about to pull it off. Viktor Orban, Hungary's Prime Minister and leader of Fidesz, met on Thursday in Budapest with the Northern League's Matteo Salvini and the Polish Prime Minister, Matthias Morawiecki to explore forming a new group in the European Parliament. Fidesz quit the body's biggest group, the European People's Party, in March after years of conflict over Mr Orban's corrupt and autocratic government. The three parties see eye to eye in their opposition to immigration and to EU sanctions on members that violate the rule of law. But they will struggle to align their attitudes towards Russia. Mr Orban and Mr Salvini have cozied up to it. For Mr Morawiecki and every other Polish politician, it is an implacable foe. Venturing less far. The staycation trend. Those who would usually go abroad for the Easter holidays will resent having their plans scuppered by growing restrictions on cross-border travel. Going on a foreign holiday has been a criminal offence since Monday in Britain, punishable by fines of up to £5,000, $6,900. Controls are appearing on land borders between European Union members in an attempt to curb a third wave of COVID-19 infections and various places from Australia to Hong Kong have imposed draconian hotel quarantines that make leisure travel impractical for all but the time rich. So this year, more people will be forced to take their breaks nearer home. Good news for domestic holiday spots, but bad for countries reliant on foreign visitors, e.g. islands. According to Bernstein, a research firm, if 60% of foreign travel spending globally is diverted towards staycations, the pain would be felt most acutely in Iceland, which could lose a whopping 9.2% of its pre-pandemic GDP. Destiny's Child Boyko Borisov and Bulgaria's Election Bulgarians will hold Boyko Borisov's fate in their hands when they vote on Sunday. The three-time Prime Minister has dominated his country's politics since 2009, but to keep his job, he probably needs a far-right nationalist coalition partner to scrape into Parliament. Spiking COVID-19 numbers may help him by encouraging the elderly, who tend to vote for the opposition socialists, to stay at home. There is plenty of appetite for change. Bulgaria is the poorest country in the European Union. Corruption is endemic. And both judicial independence and media independence are severely compromised. Last year, the country was rocked by anti-government demonstrations. 
But Mr Borisov will point out that during his premiership, GDP per capita has grown by a third, mass emigration has ended, and high unemployment has given way to labour shortages. Even if opposition parties cobble together a coalition after the poll, it might end up being short-lived. If nothing else, Mr Borisov is a survivor. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Kenneth Tynan, who was born on this day in 1927. We shall be judged by what we do, not by how we felt while we were doing it. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.